Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. Well, I'm excited for my guest today, as I always am, but I really am because this is a unique interview. Y'all wait till you hear about this guy. So um, this is Keith. Salto Yanis. Did I do it right, Keith? Oh, was, oh wait, is this practice or we're, we're start we're recording now? This is real. We're in it now. Wow. Yeah. Well, and we met through um, his publicist, right? This is uh, Mickey Mickelson. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a great guy, hard worker. And so Keith is a comedy writer, people, and he's also a performer, and he is a Guinness World Book holder. Um, he's currently holding this um, this record for having the longest continuous improv show for 150 hours. Was that is that correct? Seven days? That's true. Oh wow! You yeah, you get a math exactly. Wow. Seven days plus one. hour. Because 149 is technically seven days. I'm like, let's just do another hour. <laughs> We've gone this oh, oh my. 150. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Long, we'll never, <laughs> ever do that again. The record, <laughs> the record is set. So hopefully he'll continue to hold it. Um, his views have been viewed by... Um, his videos have been viewed by millions of people. I think it's like over 25 million people uh, featured in the Huffington Post... Forbes, um, AV Club, BuzzFeed, The Chive, Break, Reddit, um, E-Bombs World. Um, yeah, those websites are still around. Uh, still around, yeah. Um, he was a staff writer for CBS Diversity Showcase. Um, he has some TV, TV credits under his belt, including a really cool show I think is so good. is Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is so funny. Um Community and Comedy Central. Um, he he's, he admits to having a thing for the the letter C. Apparently, I was also yeah. on a show called Cougar Town. Another C. What? <laughs> <laughs> that 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 uh, show is really that was funny. It doesn't start uh, with a C. I'm not going to be honest. <laughs> I'm not be honest. <laughs> so he has had um, extensive. Um, improv and sketch comedy experience in writing and performing um, live shows, um, and he's gonna he's gonna also be telling us what's the difference between improv and comedy. Um, but he's done some shows for the Upright Citizens Brigade, Comedy Central Stage, Second City, Pack Theater. Um, Nerdist Stage, um, Chicago Improv Festival, San Francisco Sketch um, Fest. Um, is it I.O. West, mm-hmm. uh, where he co-created the sketch comedy program and was a member of one of the longest running teams, which is called Brute Squad. Um, as well, he has a reach and a following and audiences in Japan, in China, in Thailand, the UK and France. And he's going going to share how he did that because we want to know and when he's not writing or globetrotting you can find him hanging out at the world's famous magic castle which he says he is a member of and um you can find 
tons of his work on YouTube and visiting his YouTube channel. At the end of this podcast, he is going to share how we can stay in touch with him. But welcome, Keith. And I really, I didn't even touch half of the things that he is, um, he has accomplished. We would be here for a really long time, but tons of things under under his belt. And hopefully you get to slip that in here. So how are, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for saying all of that stuff. Wow, it's nice to... Sometimes you think you're lazy, and then you're like, "Well, okay, I'm done." <laughs> I know, I know. When you sometimes when you hear uh, your accolades and your resume, you're like, "Hmm, okay, maybe I'm doing okay." So, so what other? Are, I, I imagine you're in a community of um, like-minded people who might do what you do, and so um, do you have that kind of community? What does that look like? I do, yeah. There's, uh, I'm out here in Los Angeles. Yeah, there definitely is finding your your community of like-minded people, but also like-minded people in your drive and creativity. Because yeah. I feel like maybe every place, but definitely LA, some people they want to do something, but they they don't practice it. There's right. the passion. So finding the people who are passionate about what you do mm-hmm. uh, is is super important. Yeah, I have that here. Just just people who do similar things or complement my styles well and which is great where you might have an idea and you go is this stupid yeah (laughs) i really like that and like maybe here's a way to make it better it's it's, it's a super supportive type of people yeah yeah and you have a book coming out soon the um the improv mindset right we're excited about that yeah we're excited i've been working on that since 2015 I've been working on that book and would would write some and then go back to edit and then realize I've learned more about about teaching improv and how people use improv in their everyday lives. So I have to then change parts of the book. Finally done and and coming out soon and I'm so excited to release it. So tell us the difference between comedy and improv. So most people think improv is comedy from, from stuff like Whose line is it anyway? Mm-hmm. Or a lot of people from Saturday Night Live come from an improv background. Yeah. Um, while there's comedy, there's like stand-up comedy, which is usually one person. It's rehearsed. They practice their jokes. They're telling them with a the microphone. Improv comedy just has to be made up. Okay. And improv in itself dates back to improvisational theater in Chicago, where mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be fun. All that mm-hmm. matters is that you're making it up on the spot. It looks like a made-up play or a made-up TV show playing different characters and there's a storyline and uh usually it's funny because you're making it up that's usually what happens when you make something up but it doesn't have to be funny um but it's just yeah making stuff up on stage and it's usually interactive with the audience because it's all in the moment nothing is pre-planned nothing is rehearsed we have no idea what's going to happen wow big difference between stand-up and sketch comedy where everything is rehearsed and memorized wow that, I would imagine that would be terrifying. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, it took me 10 years of doing improv before I got uh, not too nervous before yeah. getting on stage. I used to have the, the pre-show poops. Like, oh, <laughs> to get on stage. What if I have to go to the bathroom? Before we started recording, I was like, wait, what if I what if in the middle of the show I have to use the bathroom? Yeah, because um, you have no idea how long you'll even be on stage. Like, will I be on the whole time? Will I be on the sidelines? Oh but my goodness! What's really liberating about it is to be on stage, and a big rule of improv is called yes and, which means everyone has to accept what's happening and you build off of it instead of arguing. Oh. 
Wow. So being a community and performing where no matter what crazy thing you say, the other person has to agree with you. Mm-hmm. It's so fun and liberating. And it feels that like you're doing nice. something impossible. And then when you have a good show and you get off stage, you feel like you're on the highest of high. So, so do you ever do improv and it's not made up, but it's true? So if it's improv, it would have to be made up. Oh, it has to um, be made up. nothing okay. I've ever done in an improv show that was pre-planned. Okay. Um, I did do one scene one time where it felt like a scene I did years before, and I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. do this. Uh, but sketch comedy I've done a lot, which is, it kind of looks like improv because they're little short scenes or sketches, but those are completely written and rewritten and rehearsed and edited. Um, so different than improv. Okay. Because I, I had an interview with um, Devin, who De- who was... Um, he worked for, I believe it's the moth. And that was, they were huge into improv, but it was based on truth. So Mm -hmm. you would just come up and not have anything prepared and just tell a story about your life. And I thought, wow, that is terrifying, but liberating. Um, So now that you have written your first book, how are you wanting this book to stand alone? Or are you looking to make it a body of work that connect to each other? It will pretty much be, for this book, will be its own thing. There's other ones because I can't stop my mind from creating things, as any creative yeah. person might have that curse as well. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> on one thing, you're like, I got an idea for another. Yeah. I have some other ones, definitely a lot of writing ideas and outlines in the works. And each of them will, will be their own thing with a, with a specific focus. This improv book will be how to use the, Ills, the skills of improv for success in your everyday life. And every day we're talking to people, we're meeting people at, at work or at the grocery store or at a social event. And the skills of improv that you use as a performer on stage are the exact same applicable skills that you use every day. Uh, so that's what this book will be focused on. Well, the next book will be more for creative minds and how do you create writing and and plays and performances yeah that's neat and I imagine that that book could be used by so many people who are in the you know the creative arts and writers would really need that authors editors and especially because many authors tend to be introverted and isolated and then they're nervous wrecked when they have to go out and promote themselves and interact with other people teach all of those things and i imagine this would this book would really serve a great um, purpose in helping people to get over that fear by you know just even practicing some of the techniques that you're offering so that when you get in in front of people you're more natural exactly Mm -hmm. and and it's very much me i used to be like in school like Young, 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 I would be someone who would dress in costumes and go to school and play characters. But then I realized, oh, bullies love picking up people. (laughs) So then I became very introverted. Um, So the book is really something that I wish existed for myself, where it's like, how do you become your playful self, your best personality, Mm -hmm. and not being afraid of everything around you? Yeah. Um, so there's exercises. There's a whole chapter, which as writing now, I was like, this could be its own book of like, specific situations, like giving a presentation, a job right. interview, a date. Yes. All the different things that you can use from improv. That's so just right. be your most powerful best self. Not trying yeah. to be like someone else, not being false, not being too shy. 
mm-hmm. being like you are when you're having a good time with your friends. Like yeah. that, bringing that person to the table is what the goal of the book is for everybody to be able to do that. Because that's yeah. what I had to do myself. Yeah. And I was like, I might as well add this, create a book like this because it helped me so much to become <laughs> myself. Wow. Dress in a costume and not be afraid of what people are going to say. Exactly. Because even though we're grown up now, there's still a part of us that we could fear an interaction with um, a person. And then sometimes you're triggered by things that happened to you when you were younger, you know, so that that book would be really important. So, So how did publishing this book maybe change the process of writing? From, from now? Like, what yeah. would you do different? Um, I mean, a lot of the things I write uh, as a comedy writer are uh, fiction and yeah. made up scenarios. So this being nonfiction, I realized is is harder for me. It was a lot yeah. harder. It's like, I'm bringing in facts and this is, yeah. it has to be, it has to make sense throughout the whole thing and, and be truthful. It's not a, a crazy story. Um, but it's definitely learning along the way of, of, of even down to like the format is different than a screenplay oh wow learning that writing is writing and the process is similar but the technical side is a lot different okay and and then how did you how did you go about learning how to do screenwriting so screenwriting was again a process um Mm -hmm. the first play i ever wrote in college was definitely written on like a notebook it was not formatted (laughs) right at all it was like there's there's info there Um, yeah I'm a big Blues Brothers fan as well. Yeah. I'm a blues Brothers and any Blues Brothers nerds who are listening, uh, when Dan Aykroyd <laughs> wrote the script because he never wrote a screenplay, he he wrote way too long, like over 300 pages, and he put it inside of a phone book case because it was way too big. Uh, and he was working with John Landis who directed it, and John Landis had to like let's make this into a proper screenplay. So I feel oh. like I had to learn that by reading other screenplays, by taking classes. Um, by just looking how it's like properly supposed to be done. Um, okay. Because anything, like, I feel like writing and performing are both things that people say, oh, you just do it. You don't, right. there's nothing to learn. You either do it, you can, you know how to do it or you don't. But there's huh. definitely techniques and skills to mm-hmm. both of them that show you how to, to do it better. And people who've done it for a long time can like, here's all the mistakes I made. Let me tell mm-hmm. you how to do those to save you years off of your process. Yeah. So that yeah. helped me just learning from, from skilled writers who are working in the industry, learning mm-hmm. from them and like what is currently happening in the industry that you can just tell me that I don't have to yeah. learn. Exactly. Yeah. So how, what was like your first break into the industry? Um, it's hard. Like I have some, some people who are like, Oh, that's like, that's your, you're there now. Yeah. But it almost feels like the break, when the break happens, you don't realize it happens. Right. Again, going back to that creative mind who wants more things. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, there's other things I want to do, <laughs> but then there's yeah. other things you've already done. Um, so I almost don't know. It was like a, a subtle thing where it's like, oh, I guess I have success now, but huh. it wasn't like I didn't have it, and then the next day I did. Maybe for some people it's different. Um, yeah. For me, it was like, oh, I guess look at all these things that I've done, and I want to do more, um, yeah. and it just slowly, slowly builds from there. Yeah. Because you, okay, so um, Keith is not, he's not being forthcoming, right? You you seem like a humble guy. So he has quite a bit of accolades, right? You've, you've um, been featured in Forbes magazine. Um, 
you you were a finalist for um, ABC Writing Talent Showcase, mm-hmm. a finalist for multi a multi, multitude of things, um, screen craft, screenwriting fellowship, um, uh, the winner of the LA Comedy Festival for Best Sketch Group, and and so on and so forth. So quite a bit of even writing for um, in Le- in Living Color, like I, I grew up on that stuff. Oh yeah, uh, I worked with Marlon Wayans, uh, so which was incredible. Like Mar- yeah. like oh man, talk about <laughs> someone who's talented. It was it was amazing. It was uh yeah, he loves improv too. So we tried to improvise a lot with each other and yeah, just yeah. like yeah. Again, I was like I used to watch in Living Color all the time, and I get to work with Marlon Wayans. And yeah, then you get to work with them. Um, You've also written for comedians on NSL and Mad TV. Um, how, so people would wonder, how did you build that kind of platform? How did you establish yourself in, in the industry? So, yeah, I feel like, uh, and, and I also am a big Beatles nerd. Paul yeah. McCartney said a similar thing to this. It's like, Paul McCartney, you've done everything. Why, yeah. why are you still working? Uh, and his answer is how I feel too, where it's like, there's always someone working harder than me is what I think. Yeah. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I feel like it's true. Um, yeah. So to, to not get stuck on like, I want to do one thing and it has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Just to like, I have an idea, let's create it, let's build it, let's put it out there, let's promote it and let's work on the next thing. Mm. Um, so for me, I feel like my platform is that I'm always creating something. Mm-hmm. Um, as a sketch comedy writer, I have over a thousand sketches I've written scripts on my mm. hard drive. And wow. once, I, once I got that, I was like, okay, maybe I should start writing TV. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've done that a lot. Um, but it's, I feel like it's, it's that sort of thing. It's, it's not waiting for one little baby. Be like, here's my baby. I hope this becomes a thing. But just if you're creative, you have multiple babies and mm-hmm. you're not actual babies, not human babies. I'm not saying yeah. babies all around people. <laughs> you have ideas make them into a thing and move on to the next idea don't hold on to it as if it's all you have because if you have one idea that means your brain is able to come up with more Mm -hmm. so just to keep making like most people who know me but aren't friends with me or haven't met like I feel like the reputation is oh you always have you're always doing so much you're always writing so much you're not Mm -hmm. generation of ideas Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's what it feels like it does, uh, yeah. Because even with Marlon Wayans, like, now I'm not being humble, but there was other writers there, and, like, when he left at the end of the shoot, he specifically came up to me and shook my hand and was like, man, great stuff. Wow. And I'm so he didn't do that to anyone else, but it's like, I, I don't, I just brought, I was like, this is me, I'm always, let's go, let's go, let's go. And yeah. And he, he saw that in there, too. Wow. And I'm back to humble. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but, you know, for... For the for those of us who are creative types in, in industries like this, it's it's sort of a it's sort of this balance, right? Where you are you you have to put yourself out there, but yet you don't want to be that kind of jerk where you know, oh, it's all about me, 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 and you're you're just all ego, and it's just that's a horrible kind of person to always deal with, no matter how talented. So there is this this balance that we have to do. Right. How do you, how do you do that? I feel like uh, I, I come from a, a mindset of when I don't know how to do something, I study it. 
Mm -hmm. So if it was when I was learning improv or sketch comedy or other kind of writing, I'll study other people who have success in it. There's no mm -hmm. reason to try to make your own path. People have yeah. done this before. So follow yeah. the path. Like The Rock, for example. Yeah. He says that he was just he's just trying to be Will Smith. So he's, <laughs> he's like, I just want to be like Will Smith. So he's like, all right, I'll post videos and because he he's similar to me in some way. Yeah. So find people who are similar in what you want to do. And even if they're they don't know it. They are the, your mentors. Yeah. Oh, your yeah. path. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> uh, no, I was just asking you how you find that balance between oh, yeah. putting yourself out there and staying grounded and humble. You know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, my point, my point that I lost was <laughs> that I see people who are confident and arrogant. Right. Okay. Arrogant. Like, yeah. never. No. Like, if you think of the biggest celebrity you know, who's a classic celebrity, they're not arrogant. Yeah. They're, they're pretty humble, but they're confident. Yeah, they're yeah, there's confident. a difference. So, which is funny that there's this thing where it's like, oh, I have to fake it till I make it, so I'll be arrogant. But like the most successful people, like Will Smith, for example, a legend of acting, and he's not yeah. arrogant, but he's confident as hell. Yeah, uh, you're So right. for me, it's knowing the difference, that it's like I can own my own confidence in, in my experience and when I'm not sure what's going on, still pretend to be confident. But if you're arrogant, no one wants to work with that. No one wants to be arrogant. And yeah. careers have ended for people being arrogant. Mm, wow. So be arrogant. Like yeah. everyone is doing their best. Everyone, some people know more than you. Don't be arrogant. You can be confident, mm. but don't think you're better than anyone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what advice can you share regarding building your platform on social media? Yeah, that's... Uh, it's again using using what's out there as a path to to mm -hmm. to to build your own thing, but also to still be you. Mm -hmm. I see, and in, in what I teach in my my sketch writing classes as well, because there's so much of an, a platform now for for comedians and writers to put mm -hmm. themselves out there. But to yeah. still be you, if you're mm -hmm. someone who doesn't like wearing a bikini, then don't feel like I guess I have to be in a bikini. Right. Be you. Be your mm -hmm. own true self. You can still notice what people do and the styles that they do. But don't mm -hmm. just copy someone else that's not you because social media is your visual resume. People are right. not really looking at paper resumes anymore. Mm -hmm. Everyone will look you up on social media. Mm -hmm. First few videos or posts, that's like, they're going to think that is you. Right. So if it's something that's not authentically you and they meet you, then who are you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Authentically you. Yeah. Um, with it. And Social media is what it is, and if you don't if you don't like it, that's fine. But it is it is a thing that is is used, and people look at it. So, at the yeah. very least, try to mm. use it for somewhat of a resume of who you are, what kind of person you are. If it's an industry you're working in, like I know many artists, and they just have here's sketches I've done, here's drawings I've done. Mm -hmm. Musicians, uh, I find yeah. it funny when a musician has an Instagram but doesn't post any music. I'm like, well, I want to hear hear your music. <laughs> Yeah, let us know who you are. Who you are. Be authentic to yourself is my main my main thing. Don't yeah, don't just follow a trend. If it's a trend, what's your own spin on it? That's you. Be you. Right. Otherwise, yeah. it's not work long term. I love that. Yeah. Well, how are you planning to market your book, this new book that's coming out in when? June? In June. June, okay. So I'm learning to get my pilot's license to fly. Ooh. Shut up. Um, and I bought a bunch of really cheap printers off of eBay. Yeah. Uh, so I think I have 45 to 50 printers. A few of them don't work. 
and I'm going to print a bunch of flyers about my book and fly over Los Angeles. <laughs> You're lying. Drop them from the sky. Um, <laughs> a few of them will be lit on fire. So when <laughs> the firefighters will come and go, the, the, this fire was started by this <laughs> and hold it up on the news and it'll be like, look, all of this is made up. None of this is true. I'm not doing that. If there's a forest fire, it's not because of me. <laughs> I was going for it. I'm like, what? This is so good. Where are we going here? <laughs> like, I'm a little too afraid of flying to be able to fly my own plane. Um, uh, just talking, yeah, talking to talking to a lot of people, getting the word out about it um, because they might know me as a writer or an improv pr- performer or teacher. But to combine those two things, of we have a book coming out, so this, social media is a is a huge thing that I'm using with yeah. my audience all, as uh, already, and also uh-huh. doing some tours. I did pre pandemic uh, the UK tour performing mm. comedy, and uh, I'm going doing some more traveling and tours now starting in Japan to uh, promote the upcoming book as well. Wow. So how did you establish a presence in Japan? I don't know. What? Um, so it was, the, I just, uh, the first time I ever went out of the country, I decided let's just go to Japan. Why not? Um, yeah. From Los Angeles to Japan, the flights at certain times of the year, are very cheap. Yeah. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that because then they're going to go up. Okay, so we're going to edit that out, and we're going to say, they're expensive, nobody can go. Um, so I went to Japan uh, one time, and then it just sort of met a few people and, and reached out to some people and, and looked mm-hmm. for a similar community. That's probably the answer that I'm looking for as I'm babbling. Yeah. Looking for a similar community of what I have in Los Angeles, and see if that exists in another place. Mm. Um, and it turns out in Japan, there are two in the entire country improv groups. Wow. Uh, so I reached out to them and, and talked to them and, and learned their story and was able to connect with them and do some shows and some workshops. And from that, built an audience there and, and built some friends and some people who are similar to what I do, but just in a completely different world in, in Japan. So language was never a barrier? So it is and it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, when I do shows there, there's usually English side or a translator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the first teacher to ever go to China to teach uh, improv there in wow. in Chinese. There was there was improv there from expats in English, but it was never wow. in Chinese. I do not know. I know how to count to three. I know a really bad word, and I know hello. <laughs> That's all I know in Chinese. Uh, but we had a translator, and it's funny to see comedy and communication in different places. There's definitely different references and how mm-hmm. people go about it. But mm-hmm. it's really the same. Mm. getting to see that because at one point the translator didn't know English that well and he was trying mm-hmm. to tell me what was going on while it was happening and I said just tell me if they're doing this one thing are they yeah. pretending to be a married couple great that's all I need so even yeah. with me watching it I sort of got what was going on even though I knew none of the words oh wow just because yeah. humans are humans and we communicate in a certain way mm-hmm. um, and if we stop overthinking and thinking about our past and our future, but just be present and listen, mm-hmm. which is my number yeah. one rule of improv. Just listen. Be present and listen. You'll get yeah. all the information you need. You don't have to think yeah. about it. It's all right in front of us. Yeah, that's good advice for any career, any endeavor, to be present and listen. Yeah. I was just in um, 
service yesterday at at our church, and we had a guest pastor. His name is Brett Fuller, and he was so profound in talking about the importance of us reaching outside outside of ourselves, outside of our comfort zone. To I best I guess the best way to say this is to build bridges rather than walls, you know. And of course, he his his whole focus was about Christ-centered and, and all of that. But I think we can apply that to all areas of, of our lives in the time of such um, such divisiveness mm-hmm. for us to be thinking, what can I do that's universal? And how are we more alike than, we're, than we are different? How can I build a bridge? And what you're saying to me is that you're using certain tactics to have this like universal language that we can all um, identify with. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. It's, yeah. That's, that's well put as well. Cause mm-hmm. it is at, at the end of the day, no matter what language you speak or what your beliefs are or what you look like underneath it, we're just skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> skeletons look the same. Yeah. And everyone, everyone, and this is a big secret is everyone just wants to be heard. <laughs> Yeah, true. Because everyone's, everyone's crazy. Everyone's got these crazy <laughs> thoughts that are different than everyone else. Um, mm. And you try to, everyone tries to be like everybody else so hard. Like, I'm going to dress and be, and like, I'm going to be like everyone else. But everyone, they just want to be heard and told they're not crazy. You belong. You belong exactly. in, in this trial. Because it goes back yeah. to us being nomads running around and not wanting to be left behind. And That's people it. just want to be heard beyond whatever they do or whatever they look like. They just want to be heard. And just looking at that, yeah. even if it's someone who you wouldn't get along with normally, you can just mm-hmm. look at them like they're an experiment or something yeah. you've never seen before. And look how fascinating they are. They just want yeah. to be heard. doesn't exactly. mean you're best friends with them and, and, mm. and uh, agree with everything. Mm-hmm. But just to, just to hear them and... You can make them smile, which is why I love comedy as well. Like take a little bit of stress out of their day and like a little yeah. smile. That's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was laughing when I was uh, checking out your YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are funny. Um, you. Just even your facial expressions. Just I was just cracking up just just in some of that. Um, do you ever have a favorite a favorite piece of writing or skit that? I that like? I wrote or that I've watched? Both. Uh, my favorite sketch that I ever saw, I remember it very, very specifically. It was in, in 10th grade. Was it 10th grade? 11th grade. I remember mm-hmm. it. Trust me. 11th yeah. grade? 10th grade? Either way. <laughs> I was in high school in English yeah. class and like we finished whatever for the year and like, oh, we have extra time. And someone brought in a best of Chris Farley. Uh-huh. VHS, maybe DVD. <laughs> know what Saturday Night Live was I didn't know what sketch comedy was I didn't know who Chris Farley was yeah. and there was one sketch about him <laughs> it was uh, drink, drinking uh, different coffee, it was like hidden camera commercials what don't you okay. see Right. And it was so funny and I laughed so hard and <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time but that was definitely like a, a seed that was planted of like look at this, this three minute sketch and yeah. how funny it is and how much fun that performer's having and how everyone in the room I'm friends with nobody in high school. Yeah. I had one friend and he wasn't in the class. So I had no friends. Everyone was different. And we're all <laughs> laughing together. All of us are laughing at this one thing. Right. And how yeah. powerful that stupid little comedy idea brought everyone together. Yeah. That definitely. 
the more I think back on them, like that was such an important moment uh, yeah. in my writing. Um, yeah. Just mm-hmm. how, yeah, it brought <laughs> everyone together and laughed. The teacher was laughing with the students. Yeah. Well, an hour ago, she was telling them to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of writing, right? Um, writing what you know, whether it is comedy, which you obviously are good at, is that it it unifies people. All of a sudden, people are not thinking about, oh, what you're in that political party, I'm in this one, you're this color, you're that ethnicity. They're just laughing at something um, that is universal, right? We, we're all human. We can all laugh at ourselves, you know, so that's so good. So what about yourself? What about, do you have a favorite of something that you've written? There is. Um, I really like this. There's a, <laughs> no, no, there's a few that I'm thinking of. Um, but one would be this sketch that I wrote called Backwards Game Show. Yeah. Which is a simple, <laughs> just a game show, except the game show was going in reverse, except one oh. person didn't get it. So the game show began like, good night, everyone. Thanks for watching. And here's our winner. So it all went in reverse. And oh then my one person was like, I'm really confused. What's going <laughs> on here? Uh, and that one, that one always cracks me up. Um, yeah. And I also am proud of it because of the process of writing. I wrote it normal and forward and then just reversed. Had to like put every line in reverse. So oh, like, that's wow. kind of the aspect that I'm proud of. And then it always, <laughs> always gets a great reaction from the audience and it's great mm-hmm. to see the performers do it when they're like, wait, I'm very confused. It's always, <laughs> it's always uh, a great ride. Yeah. So, th- so there, there are tons of listeners on here who are, you know, they're authors, right? And some of them are fans of the, the authors that come on here to be interviewed. But if you were speaking directly to an author, um, I was sharing with you before we got on here about some authors whose books became movies or in the process of becoming a movie. Do you know anything about that? Like how, how, what is the general difference between a regular book and like a film script? There's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Going from using fiction as an example, because nonfiction, uh, there are, yeah, nonfiction books that become like documentaries, but Mm -hmm. I would definitely know more about screenplays sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah but it's mainly yeah there's a lot in the technical aspect of it okay the book is very much more descriptive you have to describe mm-hmm. everything and you get the feeling of it while reading it and you get images in your head while mm-hmm. a screenplay should flow exactly like if you were watching it mm. so for a book you might say they walked into the room and the, and the scent of candle hit their nose and then they they look to the left and all the all of these little details yeah. While in a movie, you just see someone walk in. So you're like, they walk in and they 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 remember the past or something much much sh- much shorter. Much shorter. Um, so okay. Descriptive lines are much shorter in a screenplay. Okay. Okay. Well, of it. While in a book, yeah, you can really really paint that picture. But the, that writing has to be really tight in order to tell the person, the director, like what the screenshot is going to look like. It does. And that's imagine. the other thing in the book. You just have the book and like here mm-hmm. it is you read it and figure it out well if a screenplay you'll be working with the director uh, okay. or if you're the director but if you're working with the director then the director will go oh i have a great idea for this yeah so as the writer yeah. which is a common beginner mistake is you're the writer you're not the director so don't tell yeah. the director what to do wow okay this picture to let the director decide exactly how it's going to look mm-hmm. but the contents you're creating mm-hmm 
Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. So what what do you think is the most challenging thing about writing a character that's the opposite sex or very different from you? I would say for me, it's it's a little bit of um, imposter syndrome because I'm not <laughs> that person. That's a yeah. big thing where it's like, I'm not them. Yeah. <laughs> writing it feels a little guilty. Yeah. But also I feel like I'm writing, when I do that, write someone of the opposite gender or, or different race or background. It's coming from a place of some of my own experience. Yeah. It's like I, I grew up raised with my mom and my sister. So it's like a lot of, a lot of female energy there, yeah. a lot of female friends. Yeah. So knowing them a little bit, of course, I don't fully know that side of living because mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. there. But, mm-hmm. but sort of knowing, yeah, a little bit of what they go through. Be able mm-hmm. to write like that. Um, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily write about someone who lives in uh, in Finland because right. I don't know any. Like it would just feel like a, a caricature, and, right? And cliche, which is not <laughs> good. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like you're writing. It should feel real. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be cliche or caricature. So I wouldn't. I would write still somewhat of something that I know. That you know. Okay. And so I, you I, do a lot of research and figure it out. But for me, it's definitely. Like, what's my own experience with this that I can mm-hmm. that I can bring to the table? Mm-hmm. And so what, and, and I don't know if this even really applies, but it's just an interesting question. What period of life do you find you, mo- you write about most often? Is it being a child, a teenager, a young adult? I feel like it's mostly my future self because mm-hmm. I've come back in a time machine to have this interview and I'm really from the year 3000. So I can, I know the year 3000. <laughs> So, <laughs> I feel like it's, it tends to be my younger years because yeah. I feel like those are the years that shape us that we mm-hmm. didn't have a decision about. We didn't know what we were doing. I mean, mm-hmm. as a teenager, I didn't know what I was doing either, but it didn't shape me as much as like, what are the, the things that I have underlying in my personality uh, yeah. that I don't think about were probably built when I was a kid and those instances that happened uh, mm-hmm. in different family vacations and dinners or those weird things that no one else remembers except for you. Yeah. Those are really powerful instances that that shape who you are. Mm -hmm. I use that a lot in my book of like, I remember I was a kid, I was doing this and that's, and and that I have to untangle that. Yeah. Show how it's, it's become why I became so shy and how I had to undo that so I could become more outgoing. Right. Yeah. Because I don't well, think there's many shy kids. Like, there's shy kids who don't want to talk to other people. But at home, there's no shy kids, right? I don't, I've never seen one. No, at home, I really. see kids always jumping around, playing, never yeah. afraid of being yeah. embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And we gain that as an adult. We're told not to, not, hey, don't do that. Don't wear that. Don't say mm-hmm. that. Don't talk right now. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I will shut down and my personality will as well. Yeah, it's true. And you're shaped by your experiences some of that that you know being naive it's it's almost good because you're out there and I've I've seen this on the teacher's perspective from that perspective I've always I've always loved the underdog um because I know I was that you know um I've always cheered for the nerd because I identify with the nerd um and I always hate that we want to make the uh, our children so cookie cutter I just loved when um, students were unique and they were their, their real selves and they could be authentic. Um, 
and there there's a part of us you're right of society and we do it unintentional sometimes by just wanting our kids to conform mm-hmm. you know to be normal whatever normal really means but how about we just we try not to be normal you know we just try to be ourselves and i i feel like your book will really speak to that almost you know it's bringing that out i like to say, touching on that like who's someone who inspires you mm-hmm. or someone in 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 our society like who's someone inspiring to you oh to me yeah. we're doing a little experiment <laughs> oh yeah okay so one of my faves is zora neil neil hurston oh yeah and, florida mm-hmm. legend yes florida yeah. Legend. yeah so like someone like zora like wasn't she a pilot? Was she a pilot? No, I don't think so. Unless remember. I'm learning something new. <laughs> I worked at a history museum in Florida and I cannot remember, but I know she was a part of it. Um, okay. But for her, like, that's someone who went against the norms of society. Right. For sure. Yeah. She, I'm sure, was made fun of, was talked down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, yeah, everyone told her not to do what she did. Right. Which I don't know specifically right now, but I know it was something great. <laughs> Um, yeah so it's like someone like that went against everything she opened herself up to being embarrassed by the Mm -hmm. society and now she's someone who we remember her name and you've said Mm -hmm. is someone that inspires you Mm -hmm. so if we are people who oh i don't want to be embarrassed i don't want to go against the norm you're never going to inspire anyone either but if maybe maybe you don't want to inspire someone but if you Mm -hmm. open up and you allow yourself to be vulnerable and follow your passion Maybe you'll be someone who someone will be like, this person really inspired me. Exactly. It doesn't come from conforming. That's it. It it does not. Yeah. Well, if if you were to do one thing for the rest of your life, would it be what you're doing now or would it be something different? It would be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Writing as much as I wish I could do something else. Mm -hmm. Because as they say, entertainment industry is not the easiest industry to be in no i wish i could do something like i wish i could just be an accountant and like i go to work do my thing um (laughs) but i can't um i cannot stop my brain from coming up with creative ideas and when i'm writing time does not exist yeah write for hours and hours and never get tired Mm -hmm. Um, so i love it and i Mm -hmm. i would just want to do somehow in my schedule more of it Mm -hmm. Um, because it's to be able to come up with something in your brain and then put it on digital paper and have people read it or uh, if it becomes a film or you see it performed live, it's, for me, incredible. Like, I imagined yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> this scene in a different form. Right. Like, just my brain. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, do you ever read your reviews and then how do you deal with the good and the bad? I try not to. Mm. Um, because who are these people leaving reviews? What do they know? <laughs> like, yeah. You know how to access the internet. Great. Right. Uh, yeah. even if it's a professional reviewer, it's like everyone has their own taste. Everyone yeah. has their own taste. Um, mm-hmm. now reviews from, from my peers or, or mentors I take like, Oh, everyone's saying this one thing. That's probably mm-hmm. something I should change mm-hmm. or something I should edit. Um, mm-hmm. But in general, yeah, if you look at your reviews, it's cool to see good ones. That's mm-hmm. cool. but when you see one that isn't, that's what you're going to remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, as if this is someone that you know, and you don't mm-hmm. know who this person is. They could be living in a complete, completely different 
world and society and have different mm-hmm. beliefs than you um mm-hmm. and it's not for them uh, yeah so yeah, yeah to get to get hung up on everybody didn't like it it's, it's gonna be impossible yeah that's good advice though i like that you said um the reviews or the feedback that you treasure and you value are the ones from people who you trust who are in your inner circle so it's not like you're looking at these reviews from dead strangers and like, oh, because you're right. We do. We t- we could get a million positive reviews and that one negative um, person who and maybe it maybe it, you know, it, it hurt you because maybe that was something that was in the back of your mind anyway. And they, they talked about it. But you're saying shy away from that. Just trust your inner circle. Yeah, that's that's and it's really, it's really know, like, wise. I was driving along. Uh, a long road or highway in California. I guess it's called a freeway here. Um, and driving past these towns that were like 30 houses, 30 people lived in these towns and yeah. still in California, but just thinking about how much they see life different than me. Right. If I want to go get Thai food, I'm like, oh, I have within two miles, 100 places. I was I, like, it's such a different world that I live in. Yeah. But for them to look at something and go, oh, this is why I didn't like it. Where it's like, you see the world differently. <laughs> You're still human, but it's a completely different outlook on life. So if you don't get it, you don't get it. But it doesn't mean I'm wrong. It doesn't mean you're wrong. We just have different tastes. Yeah, exactly. So, so like, about how long does it take you to come up with a project if you're writing a about particular project? One to two hours. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like I have an idea to now my book is available and completely just kidding. That's way too short. That's way too you were going along with it. I was. I was getting my pen. I was trying to write real fast. Uh, I do from because I come from an improv background, um, which is making stuff up on the spot, I am able to write pretty fast. Mm-hmm. I'm writing um like I wrote a script for Blackish a few years yeah. ago. Uh, yeah. It was specifically during a time in my life, it was like literally the weekend after a breakup. And the last uh-huh. thing I wanted to do was like do any work. Right. But I had a deadline. And I wrote it from beginning, from like I have an idea to it being done in five days. Oh, which wow. Is, which is fast. That is um, fast, yeah. But because I can come up with dialogue and, and think fast through improv, yeah. that helps. Usually it's, it's about a month. Uh, Again, my book since 2015, so that's what nine years. A long time. I did not work on it consistently. I would do a few months, and then like I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, too much thinking, uh, getting everything out of my brain onto paper because it's nonfiction. It was, a, it was heavy lifting. So that one took longer. Um, I think I don't know how long it was total, but um, I feel like in general I write pretty fast. Yeah. Okay. And depending on the project. So I would, I really, I can't wait for you to come back. This has been such a wonderful interview. It's so rich and layered. You're super funny. Thanks Um, for me. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously I must be really gullible. I went for it like three times. Really bad. It was really bad. Um, (laughs) But how can our listeners stay in touch with you? Right. Uh, if you have uh, Instagram, I use a lot of Instagram. You can find me at, at Lady Gaga. <laughs> Just, well, if you go there, you will not find me. You will find another cool, cool personality, not me. Um, 
So you can find me, yeah, on Instagram at KeithSaltoYannis. Uh, real simple. Uh, YouTube stuff is on there. My website is KeithSaltoYannis.com. But on the other side, if you're interested in any of, of the classes from Improv LA, from, from the school that I founded, um, those are Improv-LA.com. And there's plenty of classes in writing and improv, and we have voiceover classes. And that's a, that's a whole other interview of how that thing came to be. That school that I started in a park is now uh, an interna- internationally known training center. So you can also take classes there, which is where we teach all of the stuff I've been doing. <laughs> wow. So we didn't even get to chat about that. So do people have to be in the area or, or can they do things um, online? They, it's one of the good things to come out of the pandemic is we now mm-hmm. have online services. So there's a there's online classes over Zoom, but there's also a on-demand streaming class. Wow. A goal of mine. It's been a goal of mine for years and I was able to make it happen where you can take an improv class and learn all of the exact same lessons as a regular group class, but at your own schedule with, with videos that teach you all the skills. There's a workbook, there's lessons and homework you can do. We've had people from literally all over the world to take these classes, which is really exciting to me that you don't have to be local to Los Angeles. You can watch these videos as many times as you want, do the homework, practice them in real life. Um, and gain these skills without having to be in an improv class. It's also good because improv can be scary when you go to class. Mm-hmm. You don't know anyone. You have to mix yeah. them up. And you don't have to for this. You can just watch the videos at home and gain the same skills. Wow. That's exciting. And that's one good thing that came out of the pandemic was these online streaming classes. That's really exciting. And did did you write the material yourself? I did. That <laughs> was a yeah. huge project that uh-huh. I kept putting off and and that was me basically being filmed teaching for six hours, teaching wow. uh, almost everything I knew about improv and comedy, and then edited down to 75 videos, which is a number, I think it's maybe four hours of lessons, um, just lots, wow. lots, lots of information, which is another reason yeah. the book was on hold, because I, it felt like yeah. I made the book through audio yeah. and video. You know, like, well, now let's put it into the book form. Uh, um, different, just different materials for people to be able to learn is mostly what it is. You okay. Like books, here's a book. You like watching videos? Here's a video. You like classes in person? Move to LA and take them. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're like me, you can hop on um, an online class and take it there, the streaming okay. videos. Can you share with us again how we could access the classes? Yes. And you have, your your website is wonderful, by the way. Oh, thank you. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the online classes are uh, improv-la.com. Improv LA is the name of the school. Very easy to remember because it's improv and it's in LA. Yeah. There's also some, some writing classes, which is always a, a joy for me as well. Mixing improv and writing and comedy all together. I love it. Oh, my goodness. And... Again, to share with us the name of the book yes. and when it's coming out. The book is The Improv Mindset, and it's coming out in June. It's almost there. I am so excited for that book yeah. to be out in the world. It's just been on my hard drive, and it's so excited oh to exist outside. Yeah, and so on your website, will you have information about tours, where they can purchase the book and all of that good stuff? There will be, yeah. The website will be updated soon. Either one, either my website or Improv LA. 
uh, we'll mm-hmm. have information about the book um, mm-hmm. just so people can get this information to be super fun to meet people in person as well but yeah. the book is in place of me as well because I can't teach everywhere at all times so the book and the online classes as well are like hey I, I might not be able to be there but here's all of my information from my brain that you can still access yeah and I want to share, guys, his name is Keith, K-E-I-T-A-H, and his last name is S-A-L-T-O-J-A-N-E-S. So the Jane part that you might want, to, you're tempted to say Jane, it's Giannis, that's how it's pronounced, but it reads Jane. So memorable name, and it's it's Greek, is that correct? It is, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the crazy made-up name that originally was Salto Giannis, and then spelt with a Y and then when my my family came over from Greece the person working at uh what is it Ellis Island they were (laughs) yeah their handwriting wasn't that good and they wrote Salto Giannis and the Y looked like a J (laughs) literally it was just from some guy who was lazy see we're all humans Uh, even back then some guys like I don't get paid enough for this job whatever (laughs) here you go welcome to America welcome James um but I, I learned recently that it is is correctly Salto Giannis. Okay. Uh, so I'm now Salto Giannis. Yes, you ch- you change your name, right? Oh my good. Well, at least the pronunciation. Exactly. I don't have to pay <laughs> money for that. It's free. No. Maybe I'll be Salto Giannis. I can change. I can say however I want. That's for free. <laughs> Well, you have been so much fun. And if you have any parting thoughts to leave with our audience, you can let us know. Right now? Any, yeah, sure. Okay. Tell us. Um, hmm, should I say something real? Should it be a joke? Hmm, parting thoughts, parting thoughts. Um, yeah, I would say it's at the end of the day. This is not a joke. This is like a downer yeah. a little bit. But at yeah. the end of the day, yeah. we're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> we're all going to die. Pretty so much. instead of being too shy I'm not trying to rhyme either instead of being shy and being worried what people are going to think like at least try to do what you feel like doing if you want to do something creative a new hobby talk to someone you're too shy to talk to at least try you can try a little bit and fail and say okay I don't want to do it or if you want to live somewhere else that's another big thing like see the world go somewhere else you don't have to like it maybe you decide not to but at least try because at the end of the day when you are laying, hopefully, surrounded by your family and friends at a very old age, yeah. you're not going to look back and say, I'm so glad I never talked to that person. I was too shy to. <laughs> you're not going to say that. Instead, you're like, I'm so glad I got to experience things. That's it. Um, yeah. Experience things. Um, everyone's too afraid. Don't, like, don't do anything that's going to hurt you or someone else or offend anybody. But mm-hmm. just play more. Just, just mm-hmm. play. We all like playing. That's why we like watching comedies because we wish right. we can do what they're doing. So do it yourself. Yeah. Have more mm-hmm. fun. Have more fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- thank you so much for hanging out with us, uh, Keith. We learned so much from you uh, just now. We learned, uh, hey, don't be too shy. Try before you die. Hey, okay. there you go. <laughs> uh, and and let's not forget. Um, listeners, let's not forget to use our words to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word.